If you're like us here at Mad About Movies, you love movie history and movie props. Yeah, it's something we talk about a lot on this show. But have you ever dreamed of owning a piece of movie history? Well, now you can with Prop Store. One of the world's biggest entertainment memorabilia auction houses, Prop Store is back with almost 1,800 treasures from the world of film, TV, and music, including the Anthony Daniels collection. Yes, Anthony Daniels from Star Wars. They've got the personal archive of C-3PO himself, including a screen-matched C-3PO head from Star Wars A New Hope. Not to mention this auction has the single largest Blade Runner collection to ever come to market. So Blade Runner fans, now's the time. Bidding is live now over at PropStore.com and culminates November 9th through the 12th, where there will be a four-day auction held. In-room bidders can participate on days one and two of the auction at BAFTA, 195 Piccadilly, with online, telephone, and absentee bids across the entire event. Estimated range is anywhere from 200 pounds to 500,000 pounds, so there's something for everyone. So head now to propstore.com slash live auction to register and bid on your dream props today. When this money started coming, we should have known it came with something else. They're like buzzards circling our people. We're still warriors. to kill these white men who killed my family. I need you here. I am right here. You've got to take back control of your home. I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it. Da, 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 da. You you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's the latest picture from Martin Scorsese. But you guys were wondering how long it would take me to get that in. Mm. About two seconds. I didn't start with the word picture. Picture. Really disappointed. It's gotta be maybe the most anticipated movie of the year here on Mad About Movies. It's Killers of the Flower Moon. It's one, fellas, I feel like we've been talking about for years. No joke when it comes to the pre production, the actual production. And here we are at the release of this thing. I'm excited to talk about this, uh, the screenings, because what a experience this was. From a screening standpoint, I think uh, that's pretty obvious with a th- three-plus-hour movie. I'm excited to hear how y'all's screenings went. But let's do this thing. We're, we're, I guess we're finally, finally fully into Oscar season, right? <laughs> this is the Oscar window. It's officially opened. Would you say so, Brian? Yeah, this one's weird um, because maybe the front runner. I don't know. I mean, Barbie and Oppenheimer are going to have real say in all of the award conversations and they came out in July. And so it's not to say that there's never movies that, that hit early in the year that um, become Oscar contenders. We, you know, best picture last year came out in March, I think. So it happens. Those two movies were just so huge. And so it it definitely doesn't feel like a done deal. I'm not saying that at all. It just, it felt like we got this early jump start to the Oscar season. And then it was like, no, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. We got, we got two more months of absolute filler. Like there's nothing else that <laughs> is going to matter until the Taylor Swift movie. And that's it, you know? So, uh, yeah, I would say this is sort of the launching point for the traditional Oscar season. And, and then we'll see what from the first nine months of the year squeezes mm-hmm. into the combo, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's says a lot about Oppenheimer that it's still in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I would say probably best picture front runner with a summer release because oftentimes you have high hopes, you release a good movie and people forget about it or don't care by the time the uh, fall and winter movies come around. And that's not the case with that one and mm-hmm. Barbie, both mm-hmm. highly relevant 
And I think we'll certainly be a part of the conversation as we, we move forward here. Um, but this one comes to us via Apple, I believe distributed by Paramount. Shout out Batman Shane <laughs> for your hard work on this one. And historical epic, fellas. I, I think that's the genre I would put this in. I know it, it probably fills a lot of different genres, but historical epic. So we have this. We had Oppenheimer earlier in the year. Obviously very well received. We've got Napoleon coming up. Mm-hmm. We've got Ferrari. If these do well, and these are the you know the best picture front runners, is the lesson Hollywood's going to learn is let's just do more historical epics because I'm kind of okay with that lesson. <laughs> I want more of these kinds of movies. So you know, hope and pray that these do well because mm. it seems like it's been 20 years since we've gotten a big. I don't know, uh, 20 of these thrown at us in a, in a few mm. years, like, like saving private Ryan, it kind of started and then ended in the mid, mid two thousands probably. Mm. But, uh, man, I'm uh, pretty blown away by this film. I don't know. I don't know how many times we said this on, on the pod. I can only remember one time saying, saying it, but this feels granted. I'm, I just got out of the theater an hour ago, but this feels fellas, correct me if I'm wrong that we saw an all-timer that this is going to be a movie we're going to be talking about for, for a long time. That's going to be a library of Congress type type of film at the end of the day. And it it often doesn't feel like that coming out of the theater. Usually Mm. it takes a few years. Like, man, that one really had something. This one had something in my opinion immediately. So Brian, I'll pass it off to you. You were probably the first to see this. On Friday, took the child. <laughs> got to learn about the Osage Nation, right? You got to know about this country, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> really. And uh, <laughs> what was the experience like? The three hours forty plus, yeah. Experience like Brian. Yeah, we actually uh, Lindsay wanted to see this for some reason. Didn't expect that. Um, so we we went to a screening in late July. Um, we just got out. Right before the show started, so glad to have um, you back, man. We missed. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It was good. It's good timing. Uh, yeah. Really, shouts to my family for taking care of Coop. Rangers are in the World time. Series, by the way. I know it's crazy. Um, you know they let us use our phone a little bit because it's like you know there's not a lot of people in there uh-huh. too, so yeah, that sure. that helped. It was nice. They gave us chargers. It was really cool. Um, yeah, I went. To, <laughs> I did go see this Friday morning. Lindsay was like, "Yeah, I want to see it." We're looking at our calendar. Like, got a lot of stuff. We got to. We got to go to this loser one-year-old birthday party this weekend, you know, and all these things. Um, and uh, so we went to see this at 1030 on Friday morning, um, which is definitely when you want to see a four-hour epic movie um, with all the olds and stuff. I and I was better like, than like late night. <laughs> it definitely is better than late night. Um, it is weird to go to a movie that early in the morning, which I do. I do that a lot, you know. But to go to that early in the morning, and then we had to like rush to get Coop from school pickup. I mean, yeah, it was, it's like all right, we gotta we gotta get Old across town day, real fast. You guys were you know? in the theater. Yeah, yeah, and we like we went to uh, we went to to Tinseltown um, because number one, they have better seats and like with seat warmers and stuff, and number two, they have a better um, food sitch than most of the traditional theaters that aren't, you know, Alamo or one of those kind of places. Um, so like, yeah, about, about halfway through Lindsay's just like, all right, I'm gonna go get this food and came back about 20 minutes later. Like, did you, you know, she's like, did I miss anything? Like, no, not really. So, you know, you're good to go. Um, I read this book, Richard, did you read this book? I did. Yeah. Okay. I read this maybe last month, maybe the month before recently. Anyway, um, really great book, really powerful, important story. And also like just, kind of i mean he kind of solves some crimes which i think is cool i always think that's cool when you write something uh, through research from a hundred years ago almost you're like hey by the way i figured this out um i think that's a cool deal this is a really good movie that i'm i'm probably never gonna watch again um in part because of the maybe in large part because of the, the runtime um 
Marty is obviously one of the goats and he's he for me he's earned this status and I think this is for everybody and this is part of why he got 200 million dollars to make this movie that they knew there was zero chance of ever recouping um any profit on that he's earned the right to just make the movie that he wants you know and when I have criticism of of a Scorsese movie I feel like I'm like hey I'm probably wrong but this was my this was my feeling or this is what this is what I didn't like etc cetera, etc cetera. This was not a, it wasn't boring to me. There were some people in our discord saying, man, it was just really slow and boring. It is slow. I didn't find it boring. Um, I just felt like so many scenes were twice as long as they needed to be. And the camera just lingered a lot in places that it's not even that it was like wasteful. It just, when you have a scene that it should be a 20 second scene and instead it's a 35 second scene and then you add 400 of those on top of each other it just starts to become kind of a drag for me so first hour is really good second a third hour is really good i felt it in the second hour quite a bit i was i was kind of checking the the time and like man I'd, it's a good story but I'd, I'd like to move along here if i'm being honest um so i don't know the the, the reactions in our discord have been all kind of all over the place nobody has said it's bad but there's been a whole lot of three or three and a half star Reviews saying basically what I just said, like good. Who can I, man, who can I block in our Discord? Let me, yeah, give me some names. <laughs> and then several people who were like, you know, full on. This is a five star masterpiece movie. So uh, it sounds like at least between you and I, can't we may we may run the gamut there, which will be interesting. So Richard may may be the tiebreaker here, but uh, yeah, look, I this is a good movie, good performances, couple of standouts. It's got Sturgill, Isbell, and Jack White. I mean, come on, that's that's. That's got to be worth a letter grade at least. Um, this is a really powerful, important, great story. <sighs> I wish that this was... I, I don't feel like I say this very often, but maybe somebody can pull the audio and be like, you've said it 433 times over the course of, of the show. I wish that this was a miniseries on Apple instead of a movie because there's so much that they don't even get into here from the from the story, from the book. And I'm not big on like the book was better guy. It's just for being as long and drawn out in places as it is. It also does a lot of work skip trying to to skip around and get this whole thing in. And it's just it's it's kind of an it feels like a book. When I was reading this, I was like, this feels like something that would have been made for a four part or five part um, miniseries instead. And maybe that would have solved some of the the quibbles that that I have with it. But uh, you know. Marty's really good at what he does, man. And so yeah. it's it's a very well done movie. Um, it's not one that I'm I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't think I'm gonna be talking about this one in, in five years, personally. Richard, go ahead. Yeah, I mean I think it's it's certainly um there's so much to think about on this one. I mean it, I'm the one that's always saying things should be shorter. It's hard for me to say this should be shorter. I think things with capes should normally be shorter not to say they're like amusement right, park movies for sure but like yeah it's hard to say that this story you know <laughs> right like heinous and all the things and i'm not saying you said that at all brian i know you, you didn't i'm just saying like yeah. a lot of people have said it's well, if it's anything it deserves like, well, more time richard i know i know what you're saying yeah yeah like this this deserves if anything needs to be long it's like the, mm-hmm. for this, sure yeah like the moral complexity or like outrageousness of the immorality mm-hmm. of this movie so like right right um, i'm not gonna say a two-hour and forty-minute rom-com bothers me way more than a three-hour and forty-minute movie 100%. about the yeah. savagery of this. Right. Um, right. Okay. So that being said, um, it's certainly I think it, uh, you know along with Silence and a few other things, kind of that great kind of late career highlight of of Scorsese. The the thing that's different about this versus something like you know a Silence or um, you know some of his other really good late career movies is that like. It's much more in dialogue, I would say, not to be like movie nerd guy, but like this is so re- it's 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 a it's an artist at the end of their career or tw- you know, not to say this is the last movie, but tw- in the last, you know, lap of his career reckoning with and thinking about not only the the moral issues within this particular story but how that sort of there's things in this that are shot purposefully to to bring to mind like a goodfellas or to bring mm-hmm. the mind of wolf of wall street and then immediately go but hey no this is not that this is like 
we're not going to have fun with this. The, you know, there's that kind of opening mm-hmm. shot where it's kind of introducing the world of, of this area in Oklahoma and it's, it's pretty tracking heavy and you're going, Oh, okay, this is the Copa. And then it's like immediately like, no, it's not <laughs> right, right. It is yeah, not that totally. And That's so the interesting thing to me about this movie, as opposed to some of the other great movies he's made later in his career is how much it is in dialogue with his other masterpieces, mm-hmm. how it's reacting to those, how it's, talking about those by using De Niro, by using DiCaprio, you know, by doing all this. Um, I think it's it's certainly someone saying, you know, I'm, I'm and then having read the book, and, and certainly you don't have to have read the book to appreciate and have mm-hmm. nuanced and interesting thoughts about this movie, but I would say when you read the book, there's a real interesting thing that Scorsese's done here, um, both as a director and as a screenwriter, which he's not been a screenwriter in some time, but he is on this, along with Eric Roth, is that he's saying he he kind of takes out, the one thing he really takes out of this story from the book is like a bit, uh, with De Niro's character, a bit of the ambiguity around him. It's like when you're reading the book, it's like there's these things at place. He's, he really know, he's, a, he's a political broker. He knows how this works. You don't really know right away that he's like a bad guy and it's it kind of washes over you slowly mm-hmm. in the book and that's yes. a, it's a true and interesting choice with the way Grand wrote the book but the other interesting thing is Scorsese immediately is like these are bad people mm-hmm. and this is not a crime of circumstance and a crime of misunderstanding and a crime of one people's opinion of their stake to this versus another this is a intentional malicious and evil dark act carried out mm-hmm. by this group of people yeah. and you know a lot of times with these kind of undertold historical stories you think uh that that is kind of how they're they're told not, and sometimes that's correct and sometimes it's not but it's like this is go- making a point artistically to say all the things we say about the history of white america like you know claiming things that aren't them theirs you know this is intention this is like them right. doing this on purpose to in in really heinous ways and that's a real choice from a screenwriting perspective and from a directing perspective. And I found really interesting. This is not a, a movie where you you walk out after three and a half hours and go, man, that was really messed up. And you know, both sides had a point. You're going, no, <laughs> right, this right, was yeah, an yeah. evil group of people. It's like an old fashioned evil versus good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with evil winning in a lot of ways and, and letting this film and the book to, to an aspect as well, kind of settle that score finally with, for the historical record, um, and the artistic record in the case of this film. But like, it's, it's, uh, it's a really, it's a real tragedy that these things happen and the movie is, yeah. is makes a real moral stance on that less journalistically than the book. I think the book handled it right for a book. It's saying, okay, here's all, here's how mm-hmm. this all, here's the history of this. This is why this person did this. This is what they thought they were doing. And the movie makes the artistic choice. Like, no, they're just wicked people. And uh, they will go to great lengths to further that wickedness. And uh, that's a really, I thought, the most jarring and emotionally relevant portion of the movie. And it's like, wow, this is like an 80-year-old man making these choices. How propulsive Mm -hmm. and energetic and all all of that. So, yeah, I thought all that was really interesting. Yeah, it's honestly amazing. I mean, the guy's 80. I mean, the only guys older than him, I think, that are still doing it are Ridley and, and Clint Eastwood, right? Uh, that are, I think, still making big, big movies. And for him to be making something, in my opinion, that feels like he's got his, his all, you know, his fastball from mm. Goodfellas 1990. That was 33 years ago. And he's still, I think making films with the same unique insight that he has, unique perspective, I guess would be the the right word. But there's these themes that that come through in all of his movies, Richard. And I'm glad you kind of saw that as well. The phrase I think of when I think of his movies is just brutal honesty. Uh, The honesty of life, (laughs) just showing life how it is. It's not going to be pretty, but this stuff happens. And um, we need to, I think, pay attention more to it. This macho persona that he really grapples with, too, throughout his filmography is really apparent here with these two characters and De Niro and and DiCaprio and how they're trying to deal with being the men of their time. And then, I mean, this thing just depressed me 
too. I mean, it opened mm-hmm. my eyes to an area of history that I'm sure goes largely untalked about in the history classes. I don't, this is probably mentioned in history class, but not to the extent where I would remember all of this. And that's probably not great. I'm glad he brought up the Tulsa, the Tulsa riots in this too. He mm-hmm. saw this as an opportunity to shed some light on that because that's another uh, situation that probably deserves its own, you know, Martin Scorsese movie. But to your point, Brian, on on wishing this could could be a series, I think it, I do think it could work as a series in terms of there being enough to tell. But I think I think people like him just are so into some stories need to be seen on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. him, you know, making the agreement with Apple, like, okay, this is just an Apple series. I think he would be giving in to this story is going to get pushed aside again. And like, he really wanted this to be, yeah. to get the marketing push, to go on the talk shows, to do this, like as if he was promoting Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And it's a really bummer that get- the actors couldn't do it too. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what he felt like. If this is just another limited series, there's 10 of those that drop a week. People don't watch nine out of the 10. Mm-hmm. And that might be the case with this one. So I think he wanted to make sure that like this got the attention. The story gets the attention it deserved, not necessarily the movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and I mean that this look, this is what he does. It's not, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not that he hasn't, I mean, he made, you know, he's done boardwalk empire. He's done, not that he hasn't been a part of TV, but like this guy makes, I mean, we joke about it all the time. He makes pictures. And so to ask him to do that is probably to do something different is probably an insane thing. It's especially I'm, when it probably costs more to do a limited series now. Like this was an eight. Maybe, but thing, dude, I mean, this is a $200 million movie. I yeah. like, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I but I think the, cast, the sell I, of like, it's going to be in theaters worldwide is a lot easier yeah. to, to make your money back than it's an yeah, eight episode thing. And we're also spending a yeah. billion dollars. It's, yeah. I mean, those stupid, uh, David, uh, what's his name? Um, they like Nicole Kidman, big little lies and stuff. Those cost mm-hmm. like one eighty a season. So like, okay. You know, yeah. it's not, I mean, if you're getting big stars, that's what it goes to. And then location. Yeah. So. Yeah. But do it's you get like, DiCaprio if it's a limited series? Probably not. Probably no. not. Maybe. Probably I mean, Scorsese can get stuff. Like, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. But yeah. I doubt it. No, Richard, it's it's this weird okay. space for me of I so appreciate, I mean, I love Martin Scorsese. And I genuinely, I, I'm glad that he, like I said at the outset, it's like, I'm wrong because I have criticism. Because I, I assume he's making the right choice at every spot, you know, and it's just not vibing with me when it doesn't vibe, you know, that's on me. I don't say that about a whole lot of directors, but he's, he deserves that, that break. You know, I love this era of, of Scorsese. If I made, if I made a list of, or if I ranked all the Scorsese movies, I think there's a really good chance that maybe all of the top five or so would be from this, like the last 15, 18 years, like departed, departed Hugo, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, silence, that might be my top four if I'm being at least from a favorites perspective, not from you know a yeah. best or whatever. Um, I love this era. So I'm, good. I hope this silence is incredible. Good. Yeah, we hope yeah. people see it more because of this. Yeah, because this did surprisingly it's, decent, right? Right. So it's it's a it's a I don't know it's it's an interesting place where it's like hey when I'm when I'm kind of tuning out here I recognize that that's probably about me being. <laughs> you know, unable to not look at my phone or, or whatever else. Sure. I think you're, you're on to something can't too with like, Hey, it's going to get more, more attention for what we're trying to get attention for when it's in a movie theater ver- versus just being another streaming release or whatever. I totally get that too. I'm glad that it is what it is in a lot of ways. I just, there was, you know, there's little pockets here and there. I'm like, man, I wish this week we could drag this on a little bit. And again, also the man, this, this book is so good. It's so good. And there's so much, heavy information in there too and and presented in a in a really um interesting and and engrossing way in some ways it's it's like i don't know how you could have this it might have been an impossible task it might have been impossible to make this this might be the best it could but it could even possibly be and it sounds like Kent, you're gonna be higher on than me which is totally fine you know what i mean i'm just saying this is like in hindsight i think this is a tough book to make a movie 
um, and to do it well. And so just to be able to get to a place where, man, this is a good movie, even if I'm not totally sure it's a great movie or like a masterpiece level movie, um, that's a major success in and of itself, I guess. Yeah, for sure. What did you guys think of the screenplay here? I thought it was pretty strong. I I was like, wow, I wonder if Marty wrote this and then it was him and Eric Roth. Mm -hmm. So that surprised me that Marty still kind of has that voice of a screenwriter that Mm -hmm. he doesn't just pawn that off to one person that he trusts at this day and age. Uh, What did you think about the, about the screenplay? I thought it was, thought it was really, really strong and will probably be up for something at the end of the year or for adapted uh, Richard. Yeah. I want to know what I mean. I mean, like, you know, that can go a lot of ways because this was made this, there was one version of this script in which it was much more from the FBI point of view, the the Plemons point of view, and Leo was going to be that part. And then there was the big story a few years ago. Now, once you see it, you kind of get it, that Leo, it was actually Leo's idea to kind of change the angle of the script and, oh yeah, I'll play the other protagonist, you know, change the protagonist and I'll still be the other person. So, and it, it does kind of always seem like Leo's interested at this point in his career in playing dumb more than he's interested in playing smart. Um, the last like five movies he's done on some level. So yeah, I don't know. I think, so I want to know like, was that a draft? And then when they did the kind of change around and Scorsese do a full rewrite or was it a truly collaborative process with that, with Roth? I, I, I don't, and I'm sure everyone in the discord right now is commenting like crazy and knows that I don't, but I don't know if it was like co-screenwriting piece because he did a full rewrite or did he really co-write the screenplay? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. But it's a totally different movie the other way, I think. Yeah. And and there's been some things about like, and understandably that it's not enough from the Osage point of view. And I, I, that is a fair criticism, I suppose. Um, But like, it's also so aggressively versus the book, like on their side is like completely right. As it should be right. Completely. Yeah. I disagree. I felt it was really strong. I, I knew the Osage, people very well and i thought my favorite scenes of the film were actually the ones where they were in the meet the meetings with themselves with each other and just talking about this can't happen to our people and all this stuff i thought that was super effective and it came off like not dialogue like it felt like those people were actually just talking Mm -hmm. and marty was in there filming it it didn't really feel scripted at all i wonder if he just gave him a premise and said go act as if you normally act in the situation yeah. type of thing. But they're not, they're supporting characters still, you know? Yes. And, and mm-hmm. I think some of the confusion too, or whatever criticism, be it misguided or whatever, is that like, you know, Lil Gladstone's definitely the third lead in this. I think it's three leads in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we know maybe slightly uh, half a foot ahead as a protagonist, but she's silent most of it too. It's not a huge speaking part too. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that is something, you know, it doesn't feel like she's given a full voice, but gosh, you know, do you, do you love and root for her? And is she not kind of the whole emotional core of the movie at the same time? Right. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it was a great De Niro performance. One of the better, one of the best of one of the better we've seen in a long memory. time from yeah. him. Yeah. It's not an A plus Leo for me. Um, but I mean, she's incredible. I don't, I assume they'll run her for, lead actress um yeah. i mean she she feels like a shoe in for for a nomination at least and whatever better be whatever side they want to cause she's she's magnificent in this um you know i get that criticism of you know she's she's the third lead out of the three of them i just feel like that's kind of indicative of of the story and and the time and you know the era and like what was happening here you know this it's I mean, this is a people that is essentially just being held hostage through the course of this whole thing. And so I guess to me, it makes sense that she's she's playing sort of a, taking a backseat in, in some of these sequences. But she still is, to your point, Rich, is exactly right. She's she's the heart and soul of the story. I feel like that's what the book does as well, is, you know, kind of almost picks her as the, all right, here's how we're going to, who we're going to base this story on. Um, and this story is huge and winding and there's a whole bunch of characters in it and those characters may be you know in the story more than she is but it all revolves around her and i think that that translates really well to the movie personally i thought that went well but i do understand the the criticism there i just 
I think it's um, a little bit misplaced. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I can see that. Did you guys get to thank you for Marty at the beginning? I did. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. It was awesome. So why I love seeing was, him. Yeah. Why who's he reading a teleprompter? Can you not just say thank you for? <laughs> He's eighty, man. He can't I mean, memorize come on. that stuff. <laughs> but yeah. like his eyes right. were like not even <laughs> close to looking at the camera. He, come on, Marty. He was just happy no one was asking about Ant Man Quantumania or something. You yes. know, it's just like, oh, sweet. I can just talk about this picture. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I thought the uh, other Osage. <laughs> Uh, seeing at the beginning where they're talking about they're the last of their generation was very yeah. effective it's, too. It's tough. It's yeah. like they really sure. had to protect each other during that time. It's their real legacy. It's their genealogy that they're mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. caring about. And it's easy for somebody that's not a part of that genealogy to, uh, you know, criticize it. But I mean, I can, if it was my family, you know, I would feel the same way. I thought the mo- montages were excellent in this too. Scorsese's mm-hmm. got a knack for montage, but the music, the visuals, how he showed all the old footage and photos, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Really, really co- cool and classic uh, Scorsese. Loved them. There was a very little music. I wish there was more, to be honest. That's my but other what major- What we did get was, yeah. was awesome. The Robbie Robinson stuff was really cool though. Yes, it was like the guitar and the beats behind it. I I thought it was awesome. I just wished it carried throughout more throughout the movie and drove the movie a little bit more. That was my other major criticism or issue is just for a movie. For me personally, I think that's part of why I felt the length of the scenes so frequently um, is because there just wasn't anything driving it Mm -hmm. in the background, and I it was it's a. I usually really like the choice. I think it's a bold choice and I usually dig it when a director goes scoreless for a stretch or a whole movie or the majority of the movie or whatever. Um, this was one that I, I definitely think could have used, especially with just so many of these like long talky scenes, which I love. I like a talky scene. Um, I think it needed a little bit to kind of, to push it along at places. I think, I think that that, that could have potentially helped not the not feeling so much of the the um the lingering um in those sequences a lot of great minor side performances supporting performances in this movie a guy named gene jones not the wife of jerry jones but the man gene jones (laughs) who plays the gas station guy to flip the coin in no country for old men yeah it was Mm. the uh banker that she goes to to get the to request the money from oh, yeah. her estate in this. So it did have a Cohen little Cohen vibe. Did you guys get that too? Like yeah. the two thousands plus Cohen stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Richard, you mentioned at the top like those little kind of aside not jokes, but the, the, the what we would have seen played as funny um in some of the previous Scorsese movies. There were several of those little moments that um, kind of start that direction for just a second. I had like a little chuckle, you know, and then we get back into it. But yeah, it's, that was I had some some uh, some Coheny feelings there with some of that stuff. It's Coen Brothers, maybe more than anyone else. I've been I don't know how many times I've been in a theater watching a Coen movie and laugh, and no one else is laughing. I'm like kind of looking around oh, and being yeah. a little self conscious. Like, did, was did y'all get that joke or am I broken? Like, what's 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 going thought, on here? Coens are the kings of that for sure. Yeah. PTA has a little of that too sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. Totally. Like yeah. Phantom Thread and the Master sure. both are I mean, super dark kind of movie mm-hmm. movies, but when they are funny, it's like actual laugh out funny. And then right. everyone else is like so set into the moodiness they like forget. Yeah, man. Yeah. I liked the narration also of, mm-hmm. from Leo when he was doing the reading about the Osage Nation and the intercutting with stuff. Uh also classic Scorsese too. Rank. What 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 y'all think of Leo? Oh oh, um, I want to comment on something Richard said earlier. Of you know, this is very not uh, asking the audience to choose a side. I think that's probably why he went with Leo and, and De Niro in those roles instead of like, oh, I'm going to cast. No offense to him, but I'm. Walton Goggins is going to be the lead in this movie. You, you have a little less like, 
I don't know. Who is this guy? Is he shady? Is he going to turn? Kind of a uh, feeling toward it. I think the point in the film where the audience is completely out, or at least I was on, could can this guy be redeemed, is when he starts poisoning his own wife, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that To me, that was like, all right, this Okay, this but other than that, cool. right? I mean, yeah. great, well, he's doing dude. all this stuff at the behest of his... <laughs> His uh, uncle, who could have him killed, maybe. So he's like, yeah, I'll kill this guy for you, whatever. Get this money. Rob this person. But when it comes to, like, yeah, not being able to protect the... And that's the whole tension, right, of this movie. Mm -hmm. Not being able to protect your... Choosing between your birth family and your new family, essentially. It was uh, pretty pretty apparent pretty quickly that these are not great people. And it's tough because I love Leo and, and De Niro and just had to hate them. In this movie, but you know what, guys? Love Jesse Plemons. So, you know, three hours in, he shows up. I'm like, let's go. This is an all new, all new burst of energy yep. for me. And he fit right into this world. I saw a comment, I think it was from our Discord, that said that they wished that that role was Matt Damon. Thoughts yeah, on it? Could have been cool. Or that have been too much but Damon like in our historical Man, epics yeah. this year with. Yeah, maybe. And there's, we've, it would, be even more of I can comment on Departed where those roles are kind of flipped. But yeah, it's, I think Plemons, you know, Plemons played that kind of, I don't know if I'd really seen him do that level of like, um, kind of, I'm smarter than you type character. I mean, it's not hard, mm. hard to be smarter than Leo's character in this. He's very, right. very stupid. Man, yeah. the teeth it, was impressive that Leo went there with the teeth, that the, the like Bubba yeah. teeth he was wearing in this, right? He made himself like, I know, not as not attractive as possible. Yeah. And he's still very, way more handsome than me. <laughs> Can't turn that off, man. He's just got it. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I thought Plemons did that really well. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. You can't help knowing the part about that. That was the character Leo was originally playing in the other version of the script. I couldn't help but Like, how would he be in this? But he's in that phase of his career. I think he'll come back around to it. I mean, Pitt certainly did where he like just wants to be like ugly and unlikable and mm -hmm. character actor yeah. and whatever. And then in, I, I think in five years we're going to have another, you know, suave, cool Leo again, where he's smarter than everyone. And we'll, oh yeah, that's right. Why didn't you do this? I think that, you know, you just get bored when that's that natural to you. Mm -hmm. I think you want to try this stuff. And I thought he did, honestly, to, to answer your question, Brian, I thought he did a good, I thought he was good in this. Um, I didn't think it was too showy, which it easily could have been. Um, it could have gone simple Jack pretty easily. There's only <laughs> two moments where I thought he was like going for it. One was where he's chewing out his wife, which was not a great look. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not going to be an Oscar reel type. Let's show this. Here's Bill. Here's him emotionally abusing this his Native American wife. And then the one where he finds out his child passed away in jail. Mm -hmm. That was another... Like, oh, he is really going going for it this uh with this. But I agree. I thought it was kind of an understated performance from him. Like he really tried to play this thing mm. calm. Calmer than mm -hmm. I guess the characters where we've known him to play in Scorsese movies, especially. And um you know, he's not very educated. He can yeah. barely read. Uh he's he was yeah. just a cook in the in the military. Uh, I guess smart enough to be, you know, an active service uh, soldier. So mm -hmm. he's kind of picture Joaquin and the master, that type of personality yeah. uh, on Ernest Burkhart. And yeah, man, it's yeah. definitely something you don't see from him very often. Yeah. I thought the performance itself was good. I, I mean, with, with somebody like Leo, it's like, <laughs> however many a plus performances you know so it's hard to it's hard to walk out of a dicaprio movie and be like well it wasn't that good because i'm comparing it to these other incredible performances that he's had over the years and that's not that's not fair that was a good performance i i don't i didn't i didn't love i found the the um the teeth the jaw expansion whatever else he's got going on the the affectation, I found it to be a little distracting. I didn't think it was showy. I understand why they did it. I just kept having, it's like every time the camera cut to him, I would be like, all right, he's doing the the jaw thing. Gotcha. Okay. And then 20 seconds later, right. Okay. The jaw thing. Got it. Yep. And just couldn't, 
there were just a lot of times where I couldn't, I just could not stay locked in on, on the movie. And I, again, I get why you do it. This is a very stupid person. That's a big part of, of why all this happens. I mean, I think the book did a great job of not making Ernest like a sympathetic figure, but also kind of like showing like, Hey, this is somebody who probably had a very low IQ and, um, is, was easily manipulated by his, his uncle and stuff. So you got to do that. You got to show it, um, to some level, but there were moments where I was like, this is bordering on the, uh, the Rami Malek queen thing oh, with no. the jaw. Like I just can't, <laughs> oh, can't handle it. I don't God. know. Not the performance. I want to be clear because the, the Rami Malek performance is bad in addition to the bad look. Um, but there's just some moments where I was like, man, I can't, I kind of can't look at this guy's face. Like I can't, I don't know. Maybe that's a point. I, I don't know. It, 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 it didn't strike me. I felt like the way that I um, was maybe meant for it to, to strike me personally. But it was still, it's like, okay, he, he had an A. Wow, what a, what a loser, you know? I mean, he's so good. And so you kind of, it's not fair to compare him to his other performances. I thought the juxtaposition to have the wedding scene right up against the funeral scene was mm. pretty stark and yeah, it, it shows you the reality of the situation they were living in. But rank the performances by these <laughs> alt-country superstars. <laughs> Sturgill Simpson. Jack White, Jason Isbell, Isbel, I should say, <laughs> and Brian, you forgot Pete Yorn. Come on. Oh, yeah. I forgot Pete was in it. Yeah. And Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, a lot of people true. don't know. He has a really good. There's an Uncle Tupelo uh, album from 1995 that De Niro plays uh, slide guitar on. <laughs> Like Johnny Depp just walks in the studio, plays two yeah. chords and takes right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bottle, bottle, bottle steel. <laughs> you know, I I'll say because Brian's gonna have a better opinion on this, so I'll get out of the way quick. I thought Sturgill would be the he just seems more actory, but I thought Isbell was awesome in this. Yeah, I thought Isbell uh, was the best yeah. performance, and I agree. Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago i mentioned like sturgill could be a real actor if he yeah wanted to this makes me think isbel could too yeah, if he sure. if he really like he had an actual part in the movie he was like the yeah. fourth lead in this movie when it comes to his character impacting the story right when he said he was going to be in this i thought oh we'll see him in the background and he might say two things but he was basically dicaprio's best friend in the movie until mm -hmm. dicaprio yeah. turns on him and uh yeah man well, they're an incredible, just, I wonder how he got this gig, you know? Of course, as he put out a call to all alt-country superstars if they wanted to be in this movie, but... Except Ryan Adams, really? not allowed. That one. Yeah. yeah, Ryan Adams. They cut him out. He's in the director's cut. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I'm, I'm... It was funny to see uh, Jack White playing a uh, yeah. 1920s uh, radio guy, too, because he's like, yeah, I can do that. I know exactly yeah. what that is. I have all yeah, that. I have all that sure. equipment. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. just use my yeah, microphone. I just, I right. My guest bedroom. I have that exact studio, so. I can bring my own. Yeah. We're good. I um, used Ed Harris's guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought Isbell was better in this movie. I would still Same. buy more stock in Sur in Sturgill's career. Totally. Um I was I was kind of back and forth on Isbell and so that scene with him um and DiCaprio in in his in their like den or whatever was awesome. Yeah. He was great in that scene. Like I'm not gonna say quite go toe to toe with, with Leo, but like he was hanging in that that sequence. It was pretty great. Sturgill's awesome though too. Like I I'm with you, Kent. Like I think Sturgill never seems like he's real interested in in making um records for his whole life. Mm -hmm. And whereas I think Isbell is. So if Sturgill decides tomorrow is like actually that I'm I think I'm done. Um, I made this song about a dead dog that's gonna make everybody cry for the rest <laughs> of their lives. So I can just be done now. It was the creator um, he was in that we. Uh, yeah, he was good in that. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a future as an actor if he wants it. I think. Um, yeah, it was good, and Jack was great too for that that part. Like I don't know that you can just toss Jack into <laughs> into the creator or whatever else. Uh, but he's he was good in the sequence. That's that might be my favorite scene of the movie. Like that, that the end touch with the, the radio drama and stuff. I thought that was 
great. That was a really cool button to put on on the end of the movie. And with Marty's uh, cameo and everything, which was... How do you feel about that? I wanted to get your thoughts because it felt a little bit Tarantino-y. Let's break the fourth wall. I am, you know, I have to have the last word here or I have to get a word in. Uh, Maybe a little bit Babylon-y montage at the end Um, kind of feeling. How did you feel? (laughs) Yeah. I totally, I mean, it's the, it is the exact same as the Babylon ending where it's an ambitious play and it's either going to land or it's not. And he's just kind of putting himself out there. I commended Chazelle for doing that while also saying, I thought it sucked. You know, this is the opposite to me. Like I commend it and I think it ruled. I thought it was the best scene of the movie and having, I think having the, the, the impression that I took from that with him reading the obituary and, and looking directly into the camera, it felt like it kind of brought home how personal this movie was to him Mm -hmm. and how much he wanted to bring this story to light. And, and also you could make that ending very preachy, right? Like you could really, you can make this whole movie preachy, but you could, you could really hammer home. We did terrible, terrible things to this group of people. You know, this is not a, part of history that you can uh, explain away or um, ignore, or I mean, you can't ignore. <laughs> That's what we do really well. You could hit that really hard. And instead I felt like the, the the point of that was kind of to point the finger at himself and be like, I'm part of holding himself accountable yeah. for the way that he, that we have all overlooked um, this story for a really long yeah. time. And a lot of other stories just like it. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was a fantastic moment. Agreed completely with everything you said. Yeah, the line, the, in, the last line in the movie, I think, before you see the the closing shot of the Osage people was him talking about Molly and their family. And then I think the last line is, and there was no mention of the murders. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah, it's basically been forgotten for all this time until now mm-hmm. when I'm <laughs> retelling this to you, perhaps some of you for the first time. Let's keep this and, you know, remember this, basically. Don't Mm. let this happen again. Don't forget about this. I thought it was very effective as well. And it's honestly pretty uh, commendable for Marty to have the resources he has. And, you know, I think this has to do with just the kinds of movies he's made for his entire career, but especially here at the end. Like, he's really going for the... I'm I'm making borderline PSAs here. <laughs> I want to mm. I want people to learn something from these movies. I want them to have an educational experience. Uh, maybe you know learn about something they didn't know about before. Have a perspective on something they didn't know about before. And you know he could go for like let's make Goodfellas too and just do that and shoot them up and make a ton of money doing yeah. it. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's kind of taken it upon himself to be a true, I don't know, American storyteller is uh, is awesome. He's 80 years old. He's got a billion dollars probably by, by now. He doesn't have to do this. And I can mm. just see him just in Oklahoma miserable making this movie. <laughs> and it just shows you how much he cared, the fact that he was willing to do this and you did. You could have just. You could have just said in Oklahoma, it's redundant. Uh, <laughs> it's implied. I just yeah. like picture him in the middle of a field. <laughs> it's like, are we gonna get the shot or not? You know, it's just like he's. It doesn't seem seem like a you know, let's go hang out in the Oklahoma desert type of person. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, pretty awesome. I mean, he said he's making a what a Jesus movie with his next movie. So he's continuing with the like historical element yeah. of what he's uh, trying to do, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. A couple of lines that I did really like in the movie, wanted to point out. One was from the Osage. They said, "We never prayed for a great life; we just prayed for life." Mm. I loved that. It's just like, man, that's what most people just want. They just want to live in peace. They just want to be mm-hmm. able to live their lives. And not have somebody shoot him in the head. That's, is that too much to ask? So I thought that was a a really nice one. Uh, the Freemason angle was interesting too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
didn't harp on it too much, but it was uh, pretty interesting. And then the line I'm going to steal is, I don't have nerves. I just don't like talking to you. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to use that with any combo I want to get out of. Are you nervous? You don't want to be? No, I just don't like talking to you. That's that's it. Yeah. But uh, all right. That's all I got. Oh, shout out to Fort Worth stock show too. Had to make an appearance right. in this movie mm-hmm. as well. All right. I'm ready to grade this one out. Again, I think this was a great movie. I, I couldn't believe I didn't like almost fall asleep, didn't have to pee, all that kind of stuff. I thought the uh, the time kind of flew by for me. Uh, I was dreading this. It's like, man, I can do three hours, but 345 is really, you're really asking for me to, <laughs> to mm-hmm. give it my all. And I found it uh, pretty easy. Uh, to be honest, actually, I'm excited to watch this again and to not have to sit there and watch it in one sitting. I can pause it midway through and be like, awesome. Going to come back tomorrow, mm-hmm. two more hours. It's going to be great. <laughs> so excited for that. And true crime is so big right now that I loved the true crime element of this story. I know it's not the point, but it's kind of how the beats of the story play out. How did you feel about, or actually, this is a question about the book. Did the book give away? The fact that it was Ernest and his his uncle doing this the whole time, or does it string no. the reader along yeah. of like who's behind this, and then you find yeah. out it's Ernest later? Yeah, because that's something that I was I was curious about Marty's uh, choice there, like why mm-hmm. he didn't keep why he didn't save that as a reveal, like it's, you know this whole time that that Ernest is doing this. Yeah, Richard touched on it earlier, but it's it's the opposite in the book. It you I don't know I can't remember exactly where you find out that it was for sure um Hale and and Ernest, but it's I don't know, I would say at least two thirds yeah, through Richard. Yeah. Something like that. Now I agree with I also agree with the the this the stance of um that works in a book, it may not work in a movie. If you can do you, he he could have done that in the movie, but it it does become a different movie. It yeah, does the tension become, is on who did it rather right, than are they gonna right. get caught. And that that I think very purposefully is not his point with the movie, which I I think is probably the appropriate choice. I think the yeah, I think it lays out really well in the book, um, and I think this this probably works better in the movie. It did surprise me a little. I was like, oh, okay, so we're just getting straight to it. Like he's been on De Niro's been on screen for ten minutes tops, and we know that he's gonna he's gonna be doing real bad shady stuff. So yeah, it's it it is presented differently, which is. Yeah. I think, but I think it's, I think it works. I think it works for the movie. I thought the kills, I mean, all the kills in Scorsese movies are brutal, but mm. particularly brutal. The way he does them in one shot yeah. where the camera yeah. never cuts away and yeah. you see someone get shot in the head and take the body away. I mean, that happens multiple times. First, Richard, you mentioned it kind of at the beginning when it's like, oh, everything, oh, here's the Osage. And then boom, mom gets shot in the head with the baby right there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, right. wow. And then later in the movie, when when I think it's Henry gets kind of ambushed, and he's just sitting in the car and gets shot in the back of the head, and mm-hmm. all in one shot. The way Scorsese chooses to do it that way never ceases yeah. to it's incredible make an yep. impact. Yep. And uh, yep. wow, yeah. Uh, but man, to me, this is like it just shows the <laughs> the freaking range of this guy. Like the feeling I had watching Wolf of Wall Street versus this is just like almost 180 degrees different, you know, but it's mm. not, not a completely like foreign approach. It's just like the, mm-hmm. his ability to take different material and make it awesome. No matter if it's got lightheartedness or not is, uh, is awesome. So keep doing what you're doing, Marty. Hopefully he makes it to a hundred and we get 20 more years. Of He's making another, years. another, uh, David Grand book. By the way, it's, it's probably his next movie is the oh. uh, the mutiny book okay. that Grant just published this one, yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. He's also got Ru- Roosevelt is is on the docket somewhere with Leo, but I, I it sounds like that's at least second on the list yeah, for him. I think they're still waiting for Leo to age into that. I don't know. He pulled a round face guy off pretty well here. <laughs> Puffy cheek man. Uh, yeah, that's uh exciting. Let's, let's, like I said, let's hope we get, get some more Marty. I'm going to grade this one out. I might go A plus with it. 
I'm between an A and A plus. I'm like a 96 or seven. So I'll go we'll round up A plus. Richard. Yeah, right the same. A plus for me. Brian, what about you? It's a strong A minus for me. I nice. think some of these some of these scenes didn't hit for me. I wish they had a score. I was debating between an A and an A minus. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. I know he's just the greatest dude. I can't I can't do this Brendan Fraser thing anymore. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, it kind of took me out scene. of it. Yeah. Worst yeah. scene in the movie by the widest of margins. I I Yeah. Oh. I just I can't do it. John Lithgow is a good choice, but Brandon Fraser Lithgow's great. Yeah. Can't do the Fraser thing anymore, man. I can't. It's just I it, I'm Why was he in costume as the whale too? That was like <laughs> so mean. <laughs> I just he just doesn't He's str- that's that's gonna go down as one of the worst Oscars ever. I in ten years people will be like, What what are we doing here? That's it's and we'll be like, Well, I mean, you know, it's the story. He seems like he's a great guy and he's making a comeback and it's like, Yeah, but we didn't we didn't have to give him the Oscar. We didn't have to let him be in Isn't there like nine hundred other actors that could have been that role like <sighs> than that that wouldn't have taken oh, it's taken so you out of it. I it's mean, so when you're adding a character yeah. at that point in the movie, it kinda has to fit right in there, you know? It can't yeah. Oh, yeah. It killed Very me. Weird. So, A minus for me. Good movie. Sorry for all the. Well, I'm going. Film bros I'm going like C minus. Okay. I forgot about Brendan Fraser. So that's a <laughs> letter. I'm just kidding. Um, rough. rough, rough, rough. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right. That was Killers of the Flower Moon. Let's hit a weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. What do you got for us, Richard? Yeah, I've got uh, the uh, David Beckham documentary on... Uh, on Netflix. I'm not a big memoir guy normally. These are like the new memoirs, these kind of athlete produced documentaries. Mm-hmm. I don't like memoirs as books normally either. I don't find them to be terribly accurate or interesting. I prefer like a biographer tackle someone. I like I like a biography more than an autobiography for the most part. Uh, but I thought this one was really well made. It had a couple documentary cliches, you know, the empty chair when someone comes and sits in it and all that stuff. But uh but I thought it was I thought, you know, they went into a lot of different stuff. Surprisingly, it was a pretty true to, true to everything memoir, not just a total puff piece. There's a lot of stuff in it where Beckham was like, yeah, I'm the bad guy here. I was wrong about this or whatever. And mm-hmm. most importantly, his grill setup in the fourth episode, his barbecue. <laughs> just magnificent. Just magnificent. So that could have been it, five it, for episodes. For real? I, don't, I can't imagine a British person has a great grill. Oh, they're huge. knows how to grill. There. It's a big, big, big thing over there. But the, he's got this incredible, on his English, English countryside, he has a full screened in in the middle of a field room with like 19 $200,000 grilling contraptions. And he just meticulously cleans them and then just makes like scallops and mushrooms and all kinds of yummy stuff. So it's perfect. I want to I want to go. And then watch his <laughs> soccer on his iPad and has a beer. And then he puts on Kenny Rogers with his family and dances. It's literally how it ends. Yeah, I'm still got an episode to go, uh, but it it was really good. I was I'm with you, Richard. I don't really love a memoir. Um, it it and a lot of these things, especially the Netflix sports documentaries, yeah. have been awful. I mean, I know like the the untolds are like a, it's not the same thing as this, obviously, but those are those are crap. All of mm-hmm. them. Um, this was great, and it's it's bonkers. If this is what I told a friend was, I was recommending somebody to watch it um i was like <laughs> two things one he's either a very normal person or he is doing an unbelievable yeah. job of pretending to be a normal person who just happens to have a ton of money um he's i mean if he's fooling us gosh he's doing a great job of it uh but the other thing i said i was like we anyone who um anyone who is like it, even tangentially sort of a soccer fan or whatever that isn't that wasn't a, a connected to one of his teams probably should hate him. And it's impossible to hate yeah. him. He seems awesome. Um, parents so, yeah, awesome it's, it's great. MVP parents, yeah, maybe of sure. all time. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great, 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 uh, great little docu series. They got a great, a lot of great footage and stuff too. Yeah, and all those interviews. Yeah, it was awesome. Very good. He's built for it too because he's so photogenic, obviously. And then his dad mm-hmm. took a million hours of footage when he was a kid, so it's like the perfect right. documentary subject. Yeah, him like chastising her lightly, yeah. Victoria lightly for <laughs> posing as like yeah, having coffee. come from a blue collar background or whatever was a plus. By the like, way, also love her. Sequence. She's great. She's yeah, she's great, great too. Hundred percent for sure. Great yeah, <laughs> no question. Yeah, big fan. Big fan of both of them. It was awesome. If he could only get her to rejoin the Spice Girls, we'd be <laughs> it'd be great. They don't need to, the man. World. They got all that money. Plus, the Brooklyn married the Pelts' daughter, so they got like access to like a hundred billion. You know, oh. they're going to own Disney soon when he takes over and kicks Iger <laughs> out. So, you know, Bex will be the new mouse. Good grief! Uh, all right, I'm going to recommend also a Netflix, I believe, series. In the biopic genre, do you guys watch this Arnold series yet? No, but I read watched the first episode. Haven't gotten to the rest yet. I've seen. Man, I read his new book though. It's good, and it's really good. The uh, yeah, it's three episodes. The first one's about him as a bodybuilder. The second one's him as a movie star, and the third one's about his political career. And I thought, like, oh, I'm gonna be super into episode two i thought episode one and three were were my favorites especially episode three i think the political stuff is just super fascinating and and it's kind of pre you know celebrities becoming presidents uh when that all went Mm -hmm. down so it's interesting to look back on now with some uh with some hindsight he's very upfront about the scandals in his life too and Mm -hmm. you know discusses those uh very upfront on this too so he doesn't it's not very like pro arnold like a it's not an an arnold uh well obviously it's approved by him but it's not like a let's just uh rebuild this guy's character i think it it's mm-hmm. does a good job of being honest and man arnold what a what an interesting person i mean yeah, he, it's for sure. it's One the the, the tag tagline of the thing is one man three lifetimes and that really is <laughs> is what he's done it's just such an interesting person I the fact that he was able to conquer three worlds of and different, completely different subsects of society is uh, is amazing. So check this out. It's called Arnold. They didn't oh, do a fourth episode. That's just it's like one man four lifetimes, and it's bodybuilding, acting, politics, and then him just living with all those farm animals in his house in L.A. Just him <laughs> that's what he. That's what he's. Uh, it's a big part of this. He's yeah, but I need very to into his episode. Pets. I want a yeah. full hour and a half just him with a goat. <laughs> you know, talk and then the goat talks. The goat does talking heads. Mm-hmm. They do the doc- mm-hmm. the thing I was talking about earlier. The new documentary cliche where they show the empty chair and then the goat walks in and sits down in the chair and goes, "Are we on? Yeah. Yep, we're I rolling." I cannot okay. stand the. Yummy. Let's show the behind the scenes of us setting up the documentary. Drives me nuts. Oh, we're gonna yeah. The person gonna sit down like, what are we talking about again? Yeah, putting on the microphone. Everyone, every and they do yeah, the every documentary director thinks they're so cool. The kind of like, ominous guys, music. I'm gonna break. Yeah. I'm gonna break. <laughs> We're gonna show these people. This is real. This is not. This is not scripted. And yeah. What if the goat sat so down and checked? Tur- the goat silenced its iPhone and then kind of looked up and then someone put some uh, concealer on the goat's face and they go, "Are we rolling?" And they go, "Yep." And then the goat started talking about him and Arnold. That's how. Someone needs to parody that if they haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what you got, Brian? Uh, I'll recommend a show as well. Um, on the old Lasso Plus, uh, For All Mankind. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah, that's a good show. Third season came out. I haven't, this has been one of those where I'm like, man, that looks good. I need to check that out. Haven't done it. Hadn't done it. Hadn't done it. Um, I fired it up. The whole premise of it is the first sequence of the, of the first episode, it shows. It shows the moon landing and it's like cutting back and forth between footage of the moon landing and then like, you know, a bar in Wisconsin or whatever and, and uh, the NASA headquarters and all this sort of stuff. And then they uh, they plant the flag and it's a, it's a Soviet flag. So it's like an alternative history thing where the Soviets win the, the uh, space race and then our um, like response to that and stuff 
and it's so so good. It's so good. The uh, there's a, there's a run in episode or excuse me season one from like maybe the seventh through the ninth episode, something like that. That is some of the most intense, awesome TV I've ever seen. It's really 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 good. Um, so I'm about halfway through season two. So far, it's it's staying right with where season one was. Um, and then I've heard season three is really good as well. So I man, I cannot recommend this enough. It's really really strong and uh, enjoyable. So uh, I don't really love alternative history. Usually, that's not mm-hmm. a genre that is that I appreciate. But it's such a simple. It's one thing, and then everything else is like, what happens then if we take the space race serious for the next however many years instead of like kind of giving up on space you know what i mean so it, it's it's interesting very interesting well done really dig it that's a good one have you seen man in the high castle i saw the first season i kind of fell off of it from there um i dug it i like this a lot but i really like man in the high castle first season i i like this a lot more um if i'm being honest but but i also haven't seen that in five plus years so i can send you down some Alternative history wormholes, Brian. If you want, you know that uh, Russia I did win the more, space race, just not in our dimension. I wish more people would do it. <laughs> Somewhere there you go. There's a reality for 2024 that, in fact, did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, something un, we could explore un, uh, cinematically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, check out just fertile ground. The fertile Superman. Ground. Yeah, I think it's a cartoon movie called Red Sun. It's if Superman landed in Russia instead of small Smallville. Ah, nice. So he becomes like a Russian asset. It's pretty it's interesting. Cool. All, all history, so check that out. All right, there you go. There's Mad About Movies, weekly recommends for this week. Let us know what you thought of Killers of the Flower Moon. Did you love it? Did you not love it? Let us know on social media. And if you want more from us, become a VIP. It's spooky season. We've got another scary movie to talk about this week. It's Rosemary's Baby. Oh, yes. So get ready for that VIPs. Check that out at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And that about does it. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.